Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today is one of our most popular types of episode. It's our uh, 2024 reading preview with tons of fun guests and picks. Yeah, can't wait to share with you what we're excited about reading and what other literary people are excited about reading this year. So let's just get right into the highs and lows. Olivia, what's your high? My high is that I am, I'm doing a fist pump right now. No one can see me, but I'm literally fist pumping. I am getting back to a routine. I'm like transitioning out of tumbleweed phase, plastic bag in the wind, me, that was me last year. And I am feeling some shape in my life again, in terms of I get up at a time, I do the thing, I do another thing. It's the same every day. Sometimes there's variety, but I'm feeling just like good. I'm feeling good. The routine is, is getting there. I've done the things I wanted to do in January and now we're in February and it's going to be good. So that's my high. Oh, I'm very excited for you. I'm also a little jealous, which we'll get to in my low, but that sounds great. I did. I wrote my high and then later I signed in and saw your low and I felt bad, but it's fine. Listen, we've all been there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll go with a positive first. What is your high? My high is that on Saturday night, I threw a birthday party for my friend Lydia with, I think there were 13 girls and it was, it started as a dinner party and it kind of became a potluck and it was so fun. It is one of my goals, as everyone knows, to entertain more at my house this year. And so this was, I guess, my Q1 entertaining goal. I made an ice cream cake, which was really special to me because my mom always used to make ice cream cakes for me for my birthdays when I was a kid. And I wasn't really sure how to do it. And I just found a recipe online and it was it was easy. So, yeah, it was really lovely. I love that. Yeah, it was a fun party. I loved your dress. Thank you. I love Lydia's dress. I love the combination of the two. It was a very photos. bright and sparkly party, which makes sense given who the birthday girl is. Yes, yes. My second high is that Grace was unexpectedly in town for like 48 hours. And so we got to have dinner on Monday night and I took her to Chouquette, which is one of my favorite restaurants in New York. And I got to introduce her to this like garlic non bread situation, which is mind-blowingly good. And then we went out for drinks after and it was just so good to have like a really long dinner catch up with her because I'm not really that much of a phone call friend. So it was good to have like a really long catch up. I was going to say she's not really either, but I think she's, I think she's better than me on the phone. (laughs) Well, that sounds great. I'm glad you guys got to hang out. It was great. What's your low? I don't really have a low. I sat here trying to think of one. I was like, I'm not going to think too hard. Why do that to myself? Sure. So yeah, no, none. Oh, what's yours? Uh, Mine is feeling that I'm, I think I've swung too far the other way of, I'm still on this book break. I have like two and a half weeks off and I was feeling, I was feeling pretty out of gas at the end of the last book draft. And so now it's with my agent and I was like, okay, my goal is to just like relax and to like refill my cup and to rest. and. I might have swung too far the other way and now I feel like human sloth and it does Mm. not feel great. Like the first week I was off, I was having a lot of trouble unplugging and the second week I unplugged and now here we are in the third week and I'm like, oh, it's gone too far. It also... (laughs) You've flown too close to the sun. I've flown too close to the sun and I feel gross. It also does not help that I have spent pretty much the past 72 hours 
somewhat continuously reading the latest Sarah J. Moss book. And I like, I haven't gone on walks. Like I've been staying up until two in the morning. Like I am excited. I, I'm going to set an alarm tomorrow morning. I'm going to make sure I go on a walk. Like I, I've just like rotted a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. It happens, but I feel like better to rot too much than to not have rotted at all. Yes. And I do feel like it's almost a high too, because I'm excited to get back into a routine, to get back into writing, to like become a productive member of society again. So maybe I've done the job and today is just like the in-between phase that doesn't feel great. You're ready. I'm ready. Well, let's take an ad break and then let's get into these recommendations. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth. So we are officially in February. And for me, this is sort of where the season of winter starts to get a little bit tricky. Spring is kind of close, but also really far away. The joy of the holidays is like a million years in the past. The excitement of a new year and new goals has faded. It's just like kind of a blah gray time of year. And that's why I think it is such a good time of year to really just practice resting and relaxing. We all deserve to have small moments to ourselves throughout this season where things can just be so gloomy. And Cozy Earth's products make it so much easier to create these types of moments when it might be very dreary outside. So as I've mentioned, I'm in between deadlines right now and I'm waiting on feedback on a book draft that I just finished. And I'm just really leaning into the idea of coziness and taking time to rest and do nothing. And there is no better uniform for that than my cozy earth joggers and sweatshirt. They're so comfortable. But bonus, the set looks really sneakily tailored and put together. So if I have to pop out to grab groceries or I go for a walk, I never feel sloppy, but I am comfortable. And as someone who does not have laundry in her building, I quite literally grieve when both of my pairs of these joggers are in the wash. They are my absolute hands down favorite. It is no wonder they've previously been featured on Oprah's favorite things. Winter can be a really hard season. So if you're looking to do something nice for yourself, check out Cozy Earth's line of bedding, loungewear, and pajamas. And do not forget to grab a pair of our favorite socks too. They are pretty perfect. And if you're weary of splurging, just know that all of Cozy Earth's products come with a 10-year warranty. That's just how much they believe in the quality of what they're selling. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive discount for Bad on Paper listeners. You can get up to 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com with code BOP. Again, that's 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com with code BOP. All right, Olivia, why don't we have you kick us off with your two picks before we get into some of our guest recommenders? Sure. Yes. I have one pick that you can buy right now and another one. Oh, actually, no, both of these by the time this episode comes out will be available. So if you're looking for something you can purchase right this second that are coming out this year, well, here you go. Okay. So the first one is Rabbit Hole by Kate Brody, which came out in January sometime. The premise of this book is that the main character, Teddy or Theodora, her sister, Angie, went missing about 10 years ago. And the case has always remained unsolved. So the book starts out and just trigger warning, um, Teddy's father, Mark has died by suicide. So 
Unbeknownst to Mark's family, though, he had been active in a Reddit community that was obsessed with Angie's story and disappearance. And once Mark is gone and Angie is also gone, the case unsolved, Teddy finds herself falling down the same rabbit hole. You've guessed it. I haven't read this yet. I've just started it. I love this cover. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, I find it so satisfying. I love Reddit true crime rabbit holes a little too much. And from what I've read of this, the writing style is just beautiful. And it's also a book club pick for Jeanette McCurdy's book club in February, I think, which I feel like is a good sign. And I'm just really, really excited about this. If you like thrillers like I do, I think you may really enjoy this. Oh, I'm very excited. And I, I have me not, really enjoy it. I have not heard of this one yet. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm I, uh, not on the thriller beat, back. so. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it around quite a bit, but um, I have just been, I have so many books, so much to get through, but this is really the top of my list right now. Okay, what's your second pick? My second pick is also a thriller. It comes out on February 6th. This one is Everyone Who Can Forgive Me Is Dead by Jenny Hollander. I actually used to work with Jenny years and years ago at Bustle and was so excited to see she had a thriller coming out. I just got this in the mail, so I'm really excited to read. I've heard nothing but amazing things. Everyone who I talk to describes this as like Lucky Scroll Live-esque. So if you're into that, I think you would love this. The cover is also gorgeous. So this is Jenny's debut and it is about a woman who is trying to escape the past and the horrific event she witnessed at the prestigious journalism school she attended. So again, very sort of luckiest girl alive and uh, I've heard wonderful things. So I'm really excited to read. Oh, very excited. Well, let's get into some of the recommenders who aren't us. So we are so excited to have Jordan Walker on the podcast to share her recommendations. Uh, Fellow Swifty, by the way, we have a lot of bad paper (laughs) listeners who are also Swifties. Anyway, (laughs) Jordan is a Denver-based creator behind the handle Biblio Jordan on Instagram. In her dream world, she is a bookstagrammer full-time, but in real life, she is a school social worker full-time and a therapist in private practice. She loves books, brunch, cheese, and wine, and chatting about all of it. She's been on Bookstagram for three years and has loved every second of it. And we're so excited to hear your uh, 2024 suggestions and picks that you're excited about. Well, thank you both so much for having me. 2024 looks like a really, really good lineup. So it was, you know, we have Kristen Hanna coming out with staff. We have Emily Henry coming out with staff. So it was really hard to pick. But one of the ones I'm really looking forward to is A Witch's Guide to Magical Innkeeping by Sungu Mandana. She wrote the book, The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches. And it was, that book was just like a huge hug. It was. Is this a sequel to that book or is this a standalone? It's in the universe. Oh, okay. Same universe. Different people, same universe. It's going to be Sarah Swan. And she's like, after she, you know, no spoilers, after the things happened, she's helping run an inn. Okay. So I imagine the same cozy vibes. I can't wait. It's very cozy. When is this one out? This one is coming out, I think, in, let me see, uh, not till September, I think, 9-9. Nine, nine. Well, yeah. that, that gives people a chance to pick up the, their, is it, 
wait, is it a very special very secret very secret. society of regular <laughs> okay. witches? I always have to look it up when <laughs> I'm talking about it because I'm like... Something in my head glitches on those words where like... Uh, I'm like, is is this right? No. Okay. So that gives people a lot of time to check out the very secret society of irregular witches. So they're caught up for the universe because I, I don't know. I'm curious what you think. I feel mm-hmm. like they were pinned as Halloween books, but they're so cozy. You could read them anytime. No, I, I agree. They were like, pin, it was pinned as a Halloween book, but then I was like, this actually feels like, cause it happened. I pretty sure in December, like it happened. It happens around Christmas. Around yeah. Christmas. It happens around Christmas. And I was like, this is the perfect little Christmas, like cozy vibe kind of book. And I read it and I finished it. It wasn't what I expected at all. Like I expected like a lot more like, have you read Payback's a Witch? No. Oh, wait. Oh, that one? No, I'm thinking of the X-Hex. Yeah. Payback's a Witch is like very, like very Halloween-ish, a little spooky, but also cute and sweet. But this one was just a hug. Like I was like, I just want to be with these characters forever and never, ever let them go. And I love every single one of them minus, you know, the villain you're not supposed to like. It sounds very cozy. And as someone who's very into the um, day in the life of a 22-year-old innkeeper content that I keep finding on Instagram, honestly, (laughs) it, it sounds great. What is the second book you have brought for us? Okay, well, this goes in the completely opposite direction. So I just finished Butcher and Blackbird. Oh, Therefore, I've been my... seeing this everywhere. I don't know what it is though. Oh can you God. can you pitch it? Yeah. So Butcher and Blackbird is two serial killers who kill serial killers, then fall in love through this like game they play of competing against each other to kill serial killers. So this is set oh, in like, so like the Dexter. real world. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's not like fantasy world. No, it's like in the real world. And it has a lot of trigger warnings and they were presented in a way I did not expect when I read the book, actually. But there are a lot of trigger warnings, forewarning, because it's gra- it gets a little graphic. Like one of them is accidental cannibalism. Oh, wow. And was not expecting that. You have really yeah. gone in a different direction for this pick. Yes. I love the mix, though. <laughs> yes. So there's in, in the dedication and there's like a long list. And in the dedication, it says for all the people who read accidental cannibalism and went, yeah, that's for me. This is for you. And I was like, yes, that was me. And I did enjoy every second of it. I was enraptured every second. So the next book is coming out already in June called oh. Leather and Lark. Okay. Um, and it's going to have like kind of like there's going to be a contract killer who's the brother of the serial killer from the last book. And Lark is the best friend of his love interest. So like they're all connected. Is this like thriller plus romance? It's thriller plus romance but less thriller like it is twisted but so sweet at the same time like it it is very spicy oh it is spicy yes it is very spicy it is both I I didn't know a book could be so twisted and romantic and like sweet romantic not like dark romantic it's like sweet they're sweet I love that you're like this is so romantic the dedication talks about accidental cannibalism like I just nothing is what I expected And so I'm really looking forward to the second book because the guys in the book, they're from like, I want to say Ireland. They're transplants from Ireland. And if you listen to Butcher and Blackbird on audio, the main guy, Rowan, has an Irish accent. And it's just, I wish I listened to the audio the whole time. I made a mistake switching back and forth. Should have just listened to the audio. Very attractive. I could listen to him all day. 
I feel like this one is going, maybe I'm just behind, but I feel like this is in the early stages of going viral. Oh, yes. I think it is pretty, like, I think it's a lot on TikTok and I'm not Mm -hmm. a TikTok person because TikTok scares me. And then on Instagram, like it's been posted a lot, like at least among my friends, but I follow a lot of people who are very into twisty things. So it's also a love it or hate it. Like I gave it to my friend and she's like, they're too nice sometimes. She's like, wants it to be dark. I think she wants more like haunting Adelaide. Interesting. More, more angst. I mean, it's just a surprising, like it's just surprisingly twisted and cute. And so I'm excited for the next book to see how she does it. Cause that one's more of an enemies to lo- the next one's supposed to be more of an enemies to lovers. And the last one was friends to lovers. I'm very curious to check this out. It might end up being too scary for me because I am a baby, but I feel like I am just oh, yeah. so in search of romances that feel different. And this sounds like the most different it can get. And it's not scary because for most of the book, those two are in complete control. And they're after Sarah. Like the game is like each year, like the brother's like, okay, here you have a target in this area, find them. And then they compete Hmm. to like. So they're not killing random people. They're killing people that should be. Well, they're killing serial killers like Dexter, but they're doing it in a, but less scary than Dexter. I, it's just twisted and cute. I don't even know how else to describe it, but I don't think you'll be scared. It's not a scary book. Okay. I'm excited it's to just check gr- this it's, out. It's a little, it can get a little gross. That might not be for me either, but I'm going to try it. I want to know what try the hype it, is please. about. I want to hear all your thoughts. I want to hear both of your thoughts. Please, please try it. Well, we cannot mm-hmm. let you go without asking you our very special question. If you could take any fictional character to any chain restaurant, who are you taking and where are you bringing them? So we're going back to Butcher and Blackbird and I'm going to take Rowan if the accent is the same as the audiobook. Sure, absolutely. Because <laughs> I, I want to hear it. I'm here to sit with it. And then the chain restaurant, I don't know if you've heard of it, the Melting Pot. Oh yeah, the, the fondue yes. one? Yes, mm-hmm. because he is a chef in this book. Therefore, I think any other chain is going to be a problem. You can't really mess up cheese and dipping. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Also, the Melting Pot is a very long meal. I, I can hear his voice for a very long time. It's three courses. It's really nice of you that you are considering his needs of, you know, not not being turned off by the quality of this restaurant while also satisfying your own needs of hearing him talk for as long as possible. I really think that, <laughs> yes, you've, like, like that. you've thoughtfully considered this. And that it's more time for me to hear about his stories because I'm very, I love like criminal minds, like all like thrillers, all of those things. So I want to hear about it. I want to hear about how he got to where he got to more than the book can give you. So he just seems like such an interesting person and attractive person to go to dinner with. So it'd have to be him. Love it. Perfect. Can you tell us one more time where people can find you on the internet if they would like more of your recommendations? Yeah, I'm at biblio.jordan on Instagram. Amazing. We are so excited for our next guest recommender, Haley Jacobson, who is a writer and playwright living in Brooklyn, New York. In her work, she explores queerness, girlhood, brains, and bodies. And her debut novel, Old Enough, which came out last year, was named a New York Times editor's choice and described by Vogue as being full of winsome bisexual chaos. Welcome, Haley. Thank you so much, y'all. So happy to be here. Well, we're so excited to hear what you brought for us. What is the first book that you brought to share? 
Okay. The first book that I brought to share is called Rules for Ghosting. It's by Shelly J. Shore, um, an agency sibling of mine who I absolutely adore. Should I say a little bit about the book? Yeah. Tell us, give us the pitch for it. Have you read it or you just want to read it? Oh no, I've read it. Um, I I blurbed it. Both of the the books I'm going to share are books that I am very lucky to have blurbed. Yeah. Rules for Ghosting is kind of wild. It is about a trans mask gay guy named Ezra who grew up running a Jewish funeral home with his family. He can see and communicate with ghosts. Okay. And he very much does not want to work at the funeral home, but there's big drama with his family. So he has to move over from his job as a birth doula and help out at the funeral home where he meets this guy. And then he starts seeing this ghost and somehow those things are all connected. I can't quite tell. Are we in romance territory or thriller territory here? Both? <laughs> it's definitely not thriller. It's okay. actually very, very wholesome. Okay. Um, very, very sweet and wholesome. Um, it's literary fiction, but it's got a lot of like wonderful romance in it. And it's super queer, like just such a story of found family, stressful parental relationships, like Jewish chaos. I'm Jewish, so I definitely related to that. <laughs> um, and it's just like a gay romp with ghosts. And it's super, super fun and sweet. And it made me cry. I love this. When does it come out? Do you know? High praise. Comes out August 20th. Ooh, on the list. I'm so excited. Me too. That sounds great. It really is so great. Yeah, it's so lovely. What is the second book you brought for us? Okay, this book is The Most Famous Girl in the World. It's um, Iman Hariri Kia. Uh, she, this is her sophomore novel. And this book is about a journalist who's absolutely obsessed with this, like, kind of Caroline Calloway, Anna Delvey esque scammer. Sold. And say no more. I mean, keep, <laughs> yeah, I keep think talking, like, but I don't, like, that's I don't literally all I, I need. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even think I need to say more, but yeah, I feel like in we're very much in the era of the scammer. And also, I think this book does a really interesting exploration of our society's way of becoming really obsessed with criminals and making them influencers or obsessed with people who have sort of like sordid pasts and making them influencers, um, kind of a la gypsy rose and like everything that's going on right now and and sort of all the the mixed reviews of do we love her do we trust her and yeah it's it's super fun it's campy it's satirical um it's got some sexy stuff going on it just feels very very current and contemporary which is like my perfect book i can't wait for this i feel like i maybe possibly od'd on scammer books last year but i feel ready for them again Yes. Okay. You took a little like break, a little cleanse, and now you can jump back in. Exactly. Exactly. It's time. It's time. Well, we can't let you leave without also telling us a little bit about your book, which came out last year. But if we're cheating a little, it has the paperback coming out this June. So it's still a first half of 2024 release. Yes, I'll take it. That counts. Yeah, uh, my novel is called Old Enough. It is about a bisexual college sophomore who is finding her people. She's just come out. She's meeting the gays. 
she has a big crush. And then all of a sudden she finds out that her childhood best friend is getting married and it kind of catapults her into the past, brings up some really difficult memories and has her kind of contend with the version of herself she thought she had to be and the person that she's becoming. And it deals with a lot of topics ranging to best friend breakups, what it is to heal as a survivor in a post-Me Too world, found family within queer community, and a lot more. Uh, I'm definitely a too much girl, so I wrote a too much book. Um, (laughs) But it's been, what, six months since it came out, maybe a little more. And it's just been a wild ride. And like, I'm not sick of my book. And I think that that's worth saying. Like, I, I really love it. So I hope people read the paperback when it comes out. It's fun to to have a cute little gay book and a gay tote bag. I think the queers are going to really like it and everyone else who can relate to the book. Love this. Well, our last question for you is our most famous question, which is if you could take any fictional character to a chain restaurant for a meal, who are you taking and where are you taking them? Oh my goodness. Such a great question. I feel like there are plenty of fictional characters that I'd love to have a little, uh, girl dinner with, but I'm going to pick just the sentimental one. My favorite book growing up was Judy Blooms, starring Sally J. Friedman as herself. I adored her and I'd love to take little Sally to Panera, my favorite place <laughs> in the world. Um, I just went to Panera like an hour ago. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> For the first I time in forever. Did oh you my God, run into I... any Judy Bloom characters? I didn't. It was just me and my broccoli cheddar soup and my baguette. Still good. Delicious. Up to your order. Yeah. I live and die for Panera. It's really like a safe place for me. And I mean, everyone can get something they want with a you pick too. Exactly. It's genius. Absolutely. Yeah. Like everyone's guaranteed to be delighted. I love this. So Haley, can you tell our listeners if they would like more of you, where they can find you on the internet and remind us one more time, the name of your book too. Yes. My novel is called Old Enough. I'm a very online bisexual. So you can find me on Instagram, especially my handle is my name at Haley Jacobson. I'm also on TikTok and I have a little newsletter and I like to plug the newsletter because it's the only way that you can sign up for my seven week writing with confidence class, which is an absolute joy to teach. I really adore teaching and it's a class for writers who just need a little bit of affirmation and some good classic writing tools in their tool belt to step into their identity as a writer. I'm sort of the anti-critique girly and my class is just full of affirmation uh, and joy and just a geeky love of sharing writing with each other. So if you want to sign up for my class, It's a little bit of an arrows tour situation at the moment, a humble brag. But if you sign up for my newsletter and you're really on your shit, you can get into the class and I'd love to have you there. Amazing. Awesome. Let's take an ad break. This episode is sponsored by Brooke Eyewear. So this is a very specific thing, but I decided sometime at the end of 2023 that this is going to be the year that I invest in multiple pairs of statement eyeglasses. I feel I like whenever I meet someone, <laughs> thank you so much. It really, it really worked out with the sponsor. I swear my idea preceded them reaching out to us somehow. Anyway, uh, it was meant to be. 
But whenever I meet someone and they're wearing like a really unique or bold pair of glasses, I just like always assume they are like a painter or very cool. And I just would like people to assume I am a painter, even though I am not. (laughs) But anyway, I just think that there's something like really striking about a brightly colored pair of frames or an interesting shape of glasses. Cool glasses paired with like a chunky sweater is just a vibe that feels really right to me right now. So to begin my funky eyeglasses journey, I recently chose a pair of these like sort of exaggerated cat eye sunglasses from Brooke Eyewear. So these are called the Nashville style and I got them in the sort of tortoise shell pattern, which is called Ember Glow, but they also have a cherry red version, which I am considering if these go well. So anyway, I'm I'm just really into to the eyeglass moment I'm having. I am very excited because I do feel like there is a sameness in eyewear. And as we defined last month, I would like to define my personal aesthetic as quirky, urban art teacher. And like, where are the glasses for that? They're at Brooke Eyewear. So the pair that I got are called the Rochester and I got them in lilac. And they're just so unique. I'm really into them. And all of Brooke Eyewear's products are proudly made in the United States within their own factory, which is located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They use high quality materials to ensure each customer is getting the absolute best pair of glasses for a reasonable price. And they only create small batches of product to ensure no waste is created. Brooke Eyewear supports ethical business practices and offers both classic colored frames like black and tortoise, but also those bold and bright shades that really stand out like pinks and reds and blues and more, just everything I need for my funky eyewear year. Brooke Eyewear has provided a 15% off discount code for our listeners. Visit Brooke Eyewear, that is spelled B-R-O-O-K Eyewear, E-W-E-W-E-A-R.com and use code B-O-P at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. I am so excited to have my friend, Tomi, here today. A little bit about Tomi. Tomi Obibi is a full-time content creator based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Tomi's work with social media and influencer marketing has been featured in Business Insider, Yahoo News, HuffPost, and more. Tomi is also the recipient of the 2019 Influencer of the Year Award. Also, would you consider yourself a bookstagrammer now, Tomi? Yeah, I think I've definitely made the... The transition. <laughs> How many books did you read last year? It was something wild. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think like 130, around 100, over 130. I'm not remembering the correct number right now. <laughs> well, we're so excited That's to hear impressive. what you're recommending for 2024. So tell us, what have you brought for us today? Oh, definitely. I feel like I'm probably someone who's giving some basic recommendations here because like everyone else, I'm fully on the Sarah Janet Moss train. Um, I've basically sold my soul to her at this point in the Bloomsbury publishing people. (laughs) And I am very excited for House of Flame and Shadow. That will be, I guess at this point, I'm not sure when this will be going up, but it comes out tomorrow and I'm very excited. I'm so excited. There's like no way to talk about this without giving spoilers, but this is the third book in a series, just so people know. So we're not, we're not starting mm-hmm. with this one. This is the Crescent City series. So this is book three. How did you feel about the first two? Were you like very into them? I was very into them. And I actually was so shocked by the online discourse of people saying it was very hard to get into, that there was like too much info dumping. 
And perhaps it's because I had read a lot of other like romanticy or fantasy things. I was like, yeah, the first book in the fantasy series is going to be a lot of stuff thrown at you and you're not going to understand. You're just going to push through it, guys. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I mean, I think Throne of Glass felt a little more YA in the first book. So it was like much simpler. Mm. And then Akatar. I was just into much more quickly, but I was one of the people who was not super into book one. Like I just was really confused for most of it. There was too much to track in terms of like the different houses and powers and whatever. And then I got really into book two. I like turned the corner and now coming into book three, I am canceling all my plans. I love that. I don't know if it's for this book. I'm not, I've read Akatar, but I'm not like in that world. In my mind, Sarah J Moss has like, 12,000 books and everyone's just talking about a different one at any given moment. I read that there were for either this book or another one of her 750,000 pre-orders, which actually seemed impossible. I would not be shocked (laughs) if it was for this one. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. What? It's, I, it's just, it was mind blowing. The Moss verse is real. I guess it is. Did you say her middle name is Janet? Yeah. (laughs) Is it her full Christian name? Had to put it out there. (laughs) I don't know why, but I like. I think Janet would have been very low on the list of guesses of what the J stood for. Like I know why she goes by J because the Janet I feel like takes away the (laughs) Sarah Janet doesn't. It doesn't give quite the same thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm so excited for that one too. I feel like that is probably like tip top of a lot of people's lists. What mm-hmm. else did you bring for us? I think the second book that I'm most excited about is that it's This Could Be Us by Kennedy Ryan. Oh. Um, it is the second oh. book in a series. Uh, it's like the Skyland series. And the first one was Before I Let Go, which came out like, I think a little over a year ago now. And it was one of my favorite books when it first came out and this one, I've read the arc for it and it has already surpassed what I thought that book was. So I'm like, guys, this is about to be your new favorite romance book. I promise. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So we did before I let go for book club around when it came out. Now I'm like, what mm-hmm. year was that? I know last I year, think last year. <laughs> what is time? So I'm very excited. So how does the series work? Does it now follow a different one of her friends in the friend group? Yes, it does. So it's like an interconnected standalone type of series where it's all like within the same universe. Essentially, they all live in Atlanta, friends, and they're like late 30s, early 40s. And I love that as well, because I feel like that's so rare to find in a romance book and it not be filled with a lot of like trauma or something that is just like unrelatable to people who are in different stages of life. And so that's why I just praise Kennedy Ryan as an author, because she finds the way to still bring the drama and the intrigue without being like too out there, but still delivering this love story that happens to have a substantial plot that it's not just necessarily fluff, but you still get your kicking and giggling (laughs) moments from it too. So whose book is this one? It's Soledad. It's Soledad. And basically, no spoilers, I promise, but it's just about a woman who is going through divorce and loss. And she's trying to like kind of find herself of what does she look like now when she's not putting all of her energy into being a wife and a mother. Like she has to become a provider now for her kids and kind of getting back into the dating scene, but also like learning to trust people again because the way that her marriage dissolves is a lot. So I think a lot of people, maybe if you're not even haven't like gone through divorce, but you've gone through some sort of like heartbreak or loss or like a transition in life where you're like, okay, I got to start from literally the bottom now and 
fake it till I make it. And I think it was really beautiful to be able to see her flourish throughout that storyline. Oh, I'm really excited for this. I also am with you. I'm very excited for the third friend's book too. (laughs) (laughs) Hendrix is her name. Hendrix, yes. Oh, yes. yes. And you don't need to read... I did read the first one, but you don't necessarily need to read that one to read this one, correct? Or do you, would you suggest? I wouldn't, I think like definitely go back and read it um, if you'd like, but it's it's not necessary. And honestly, the first book has quite a few trigger warnings in terms of um, child loss and pregnancy. So if that's something that is like a little triggering for you, then definitely stay away. But yeah, I think you'd read this one all by itself. Amazing. Well, before we let you go, we have to ask you, If you could have a meal with any fictional character at any chain restaurant, who are you going with and where are you taking them? Wow. So I think it's because I'm deep into the Moss first right now. So if you haven't read these books, I'm sorry because it's monopolized a lot of our time. But there is a man named Cassian. And sorry to my husband, but I'm in love with him. And... (laughs) Thick thighs save lives. And I would love, I just feel like we would have a really good time going to like Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, he would love Buffalo Wild Wings. Would he not? And we would do one of those challenges where it's like all you can eat. And if you can like eat them and it's like the spiciest, then you like win a t-shirt. He would definitely win. He would definitely win. He would bring glory to our family, to our household. And it would be wonderful. Oh my gosh. So this is really interesting because we've had multiple people say that they're going to bring recent is that how you say it it's like something that yeah. I haven't really said out loud and I'm like I don't know how I pronounce it in my head is right I hear um, I hear it differently all the time yeah so. yeah so it's whatever you feel in your soul we've had a lot of people bring him to very lowbrow chain restaurants just to see how much he would like detest it but I really like Ooh. bringing Cassie in somewhere where he would flourish yes Yes. And that's true because I feel like with Reese, like you wouldn't, it's the ultimate test to see how someone interacts with like servers and like wait staff and all that stuff. So I'm like, yeah, now that you're a high Lord slumming it like the rest of us, let's see how you do. But Cassian, that's why he's baby girl. He's good anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like our listeners are going to have a lot of thoughts on this because I know what, what do you call yourselves? The fans of Sarah J Moss books? Is there a word for it? Like, you know, believers, but (laughs) <laughs> the what did you suggest? <laughs> well, you know, I was I was saying like Justin Bieber had the believers. Sure. So like what are yeah. the mm-hmm. the you know the Sarah Janet Moss mass people? I don't know. The Moss verse is her yeah. books, but like okay. I, like are we Moss heads? I don't know. What a great question. And that needs to be branded immediately. Like at this point, I feel like these past two years, she's just flourished on book talk and stuff. So the community is larger than ever. And that's probably why she got 750,000 pre-orders for this book. But yeah, we need a name. She has a lot of free time. A lot of free time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those were all excellent picks, I think. Thank you so much, Tomi. It's an honor and a pleasure. But Tomi, before we let you go, can you tell people where they could find you on the internet? to keep up with more of your recommendations? Yes, you can follow me at Good Tanisha. That's G-O-O-D-T-O-M-I-C-H-A on all platforms. And I'm also very active on Goodreads, probably to the chagrin to a lot of authors, but it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) 
our next guest recommender, we're so excited to have Stephen Rowley with us, who is the New York Times bestselling author of Lily and the Octopus, the editor, the Gunkle, for which he won the Thurber Prize for American Humor, and the Celebrants, which was a Today Show Read with Jenna book club pick. His fiction has been translated into 20 languages, and he resides in Palm Springs, California. Welcome, Stephen. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're such fans of your book, so I'm thrilled to have you. Oh, well, likewise, I know we could just uh, chat. We could just recommend each other's books back and forth all day, but we're not here to do that. We're not here to do that because we're, we're recommending. Well, you have a book coming out in 2024. I don't. But I'm excited to hear what you have brought to recommend to us today. <laughs> yeah, I do have a book uh, coming in May. Uh, it's called The Gunkle Abroad, my first sequel, sequel to 2021's The Gunkle. And it was really exciting to revisit some characters that that really felt like old friends. So. Well, I'm very excited to reunite with them as characters who feel like old friends from the reader perspective. It was really thrilled to sort of step back into their shoes and and uh, evolve them forward and seeing how they're doing. But, you know, the real joy of reading, too, is making new friends. So I'm excited that there are so many releases. I mean, 2024 is going to be a rich year for reading. And thank goodness, because something tells me you know, never more so in an election year that we need the escape and the empathy that good fiction can provide. Truly. Totally so, agree. What is your first recommendation for us? Well, listen, these are books I'm excited about. I haven't read them. That's but okay. I'm excited about them. That's totally fine. The first is a book called Grief is for People by Sloan Crosley. My work deals a lot with the intersection of heartbreak and humor. And I write a lot about grief, but I always try to approach it with a humorous lens. Because for me, humor has always been the way through. And I love Sloane's uh, writing, and I find her to be very funny as well. Um, and I know this is a deeply personal story for her. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just always so appreciative when people are able to be brutally honest, but also keep that humor and, and a buoyancy that, that sort of keeps us going. And, and that's what I'm hoping for this book. It is this essays. Is it a novel? Do you know? It's not a novel. Um, whether it's at her previous books have been essays. I think this has sort of one sort of through line, one story. I think it takes place um, both at the intersection of COVID and the loss of one of her friends and former coworkers to suicide. And I think there's so, you know, there's going to be so much discussion about how artists and writers in particular deal with the past few years that we have gone through because there's been so much loss and it may not be the loss of a person um, per se, but we've lost time and the, and the ability to be together and all that. So I think, you know, it's interesting to see books come out now that, that are sort of confronting the past, past few years. I feel like I have more yeah. capacity to deal with it too, because I feel like during COVID and kind of in 2022, if there was any book that had a COVID plot line, I was like, no, I don't want that. But now it feels almost <laughs> unrealistic when somebody's like, yeah, and it's 2020 and everyone's at the beach or on vacation. And you're like, what? Yeah. In in my uh, novel last year, The Celebrants, I conveniently, you know, it's, a, it's about a group of college friends who reunite year after year after year, but I conveniently skipped the years sort of 2019 to 2022 because I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready to go there. And I know what you mean. Um, Elizabeth Stroud had a book called Lucy by the Sea. She's one of my favorite writers, a, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner, but it was almost a TikTok moment by moment retelling of 2020. And I was like, oh, I am not ready to relive that time. But there is um, a way to sort of tackle 
the feelings of that time and our yearning for togetherness and whatnot that I think is absolutely what fiction should be exploring and likewise in the nonfiction space as well. Yeah. And what is the second book that you brought for us today? The second book, it's so hard to narrow this down to just one. I'm thinking one that's out now is Come and Get It by Kylie Reed. I was such a fan of her first book. But my goodness, we are getting so much. Um, we're getting a new Tommy Orange this year, Wandering Stars. But I think I'm settling on The Women by Kristen Hanna. Oh, okay. I've been uh, seeing this oh, I'm everywhere. I'm excited about this. Yeah. Big, big fan of her work. This is about women nurses in, in Vietnam, both the contribution that women give during wartime, but also the similar struggles of the homecoming, both in terms of personal trauma, but also the political strife that soldiers and people who served in that war came home to face. Yeah, I've heard lots of good things about this. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not usually a historical fiction person, but I'm very tempted by this one just by the buzz alone. Yeah, for real. I'm one of those male readers who loves to read books by and about women too. And I think more men should read books by and about women. And in fact, we should all be reading books by people who don't look like us. I think the world would be a much better place if we did so. Yeah, it's like you said, empathy in in an election year, but always that's reading is the way to it, I think. Well, I think, Um, you know, as a queer author, especially of a certain age, you know, I first came out in 1992. I think marriage equality seemed like impossible. It seemed like not something I would see in my lifetime. And to the extent that things get better and, and, you know, we're in a precipitous moment of backslide a little bit, um, you know, in terms of rights for women and book bans and, and things that we thought had long been settled. To the extent that things do get better, it is because um, I think we've been allowed to tell our stories. And so I always think that's important. Absolutely. So we're going to end with a slightly lighter turn, which is our signature question. (laughs) And that is, if you could go to any chain restaurant with any fictional character... Where are you going and who are you going with? <laughs> I'm glad we're lightening up. You brought me on. I won the Thurber <laughs> Prize for American Humor. And I'm talking about grief and sadness and the importance of... I, hey, you there's know, room for it all. Isolated. There's room for it all here. <laughs> <laughs> and war, my God. All right. So let's lighten it up. My favorite book of last year, I think, was The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. James won the Thurber Prize the year before I did. And I I always get so much pressure from my editor and from my agent now when I pitch a new idea. They're like, well, is it going to be funny? Like, where's the funny? And I I just got to laugh thinking if, you know, wondering if he gets the same pressure. Oh, a heaven and earth grocery store? Is it it a funny store? Do funny people shop there? Do they sell (laughs) funny foods? Um, But indeed, the proprietor of that store is Chona Ludlow. And she is just such a loving character who just embraces her community. And she's always there for her community. And food is love. And so I would want to take Chona to the Cheesecake Factory because they have the largest menu. And I just want to open, I just want to present her with that menu and say, get everything. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. What are you getting at the Cheesecake Factory just out of curiosity? Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I am going to order from the Skinnylicious menu uh, (laughs) at first because that will make me feel just this much less guilty about the enormous piece of red velvet cheesecake that I'm going to get after the balance. You know, you got to have balance. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I love that. And so for anyone who's looking for more of you and perhaps wants to check out your upcoming book, can you give us a quick reminder of where we can find you on the internet and the name of your 
forthcoming. And I mean, does the Celebrants have a paperback coming this year? Is it already out? Paperback coming next month. Paperback oh my gosh. Uh, coming in March. Two releases and the this new, year. The two releases this year. And then The Gunkle Abroad coming uh, May 21st. I'll have tour dates and all information where you can literally find me on my website, stephenroley.com. And I am very active on Instagram at Mr. M.R. Stephen Rowley. Not Mrs. Tevin Rowley, which is why someone someone had asked me why that was my handle. I was like, no, no. <laughs> it's Mr. <laughs> Stephen Rowley. That does make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I love Instagram and particularly the Bookstagram community there. What a, what a wonderful uh, community of readers. So we are so excited to have Amanda on the podcast today. For those that aren't familiar with her work, Amanda Montel is a writer, linguist, and podcast host living in Los Angeles. She is the author of three nonfiction books, Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism, Word Slut, A Feminist Guide to Taking Back the English Language, and The Age of Magical Overthinking, Notes on Modern Irrationality, which is available for pre-order right now and comes out on April 9th. 2024 this year. And she's also a creator and host of the hit podcast Sounds Like a Cult. So welcome, Amanda. Oh, gosh. Thanks for having me. A book podcast. I'm giddy. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. And we're so excited to hear what you're recommending that's coming out this year. What have you brought for us? Okay. It was really hard to choose because 2024 is already lit. Like it is so, it is so, so good this year. The other week, actually just a few days ago, I was blessed by the glitterati to receive a galley of Miranda July's new novel. So tell us everything. Okay. It's called All Fours. I don't know if either of you are like in the cult of Miranda July or a fan of her writing, but she has been like an idol to me since I was in college when I fell in love with her short story collection, um, No One Belongs Here More Than You. And I loved her novel. It's one of the oddest books I've ever read. The one that came out in 2013, The First Bad Man. I say that with great admiration. And when I went to get that novel signed at an event in LA in 2013, when I was, I guess, 21, I had never been starstruck before in my life. And that was the first time I ever experienced that feeling of being just dwarfed by the presence of your God on earth, Miranda July. (laughs) Um, So I remember really beefing that interaction, but my copy of The First Bad Man is indeed signed. So I immediately started her novel. This was just a couple of days ago. It's a novel about a middle-aged woman who's 45. She's really reckoning with her own aging. She's a semi-famous artist and she's kind of coming to terms with, you know, her body and her desirability not being like her main bag anymore. And the inciting incident of the novel is she embarks on this solo cross-country road trip. She has like a nice little family with a husband who she loves, but is not like super passionate about. Like she loves the guy, but he's not like rolling down of her. And then she has a little child that she also loves, but you know, it's just kind of this boring nuclear family that brings a lot of solidarity to her life, but not much else. She embarks on this road trip and it gets totally derailed and turns into something that you would never expect. And Miranda's writing is just like so insightful and funny and bizarre. And I love her mind. So that's 
the novel that I chose. Oh, this sounds <laughs> very good. This was not on my radar, but you've made me very excited for this. I don't know if you've read either of her other two books. Like her writing is very specific. Okay. Like it's very strange. The way that Miranda writes is like so just like slightly askew from reality. And her observations are so curious. Like reading her is also very funny, but you also often ask yourself like, what the fuck are these characters doing? (laughs) It Um, feels sort of surreal, I guess. Yeah, there's something about everybody's behavior that just feels slightly surreal. So um, I weirdly, even though I have little in common with her protagonist, I, I like relate to her the way that her mind works. So I've been enjoying the shit out of that. It's like one of those books where like, I don't actually want to read it because then I will finish it. <laughs> <laughs> then it will be over. But then you have that one to get signed next. I know she didn't sign the galleys that we came away with. So I have something to live for. In another 10 years, I will uh, re-encounter her at a different event. And maybe I'll be able to keep my cool by then, but probably not. I see this for you, for sure. So what is your second book you've you've brought for us today? The second book, I have not begun yet. I'm just really looking forward to it. It's a memoir that I've heard is written sort of in the style of a novel, which is like a plus for me because I like when nonfiction feels narrative and voicey. It's called Sociopath by a woman named Patrick, plot twist. Patrick Ganya is, I believe, how you pronounce her name. And it's a memoir of her experience coming of age and moving through the world as a diagnosed sociopath, antisocial personality disorder. So she was diagnosed with this condition. Obviously, sociopaths have like kind of a bad reputation. Um, (laughs) A little bit. So I think it's her attempt to kind of like humanize that diagnosis. But I'm also just like fascinated to read how a sociopath could go about endearing a reader, you know? Oh my gosh, completely. That sounds so interesting. You said that one's called Sociopath? It's just called Sociopath. Okay, amazing. So we have one more fun question before you leave. And we'll also give you a chance to talk about your 2024 release for a few minutes. But if you could have a meal with any fictional character at any chain restaurant, who are you going with and where are you taking them? I've been thinking about this diligently. I would go to IHOP with Matilda. Love. <laughs> That's a good one. Perfect answer. Good combo. <laughs> why, why that pairing specifically? Just vibes? Well... No, not just that. Well, the vibes would be immaculate. But first of all, you know, I worshipped Matilda as a child. I really related to her. Um, Not too much, thank God. (laughs) My my parents (laughs) loved me. Once someone described my personal style, like the way that I dress, as a mix between Miss Trunchbull and Miss Honey. (laughs) And I felt like very (laughs) seen. I followed you and known you in real life a long time ago, but for a long time. And that does seem accurate. Completely. 100%. Because I love a Peter Pan collar, but I also love a leather jacket and combat boots. <laughs> at the it's same time. balance. And so it really why, is. why are we going to IHOP? Is it because kids eat free Sorry. at IHOP? <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. No, it's because there's that iconic scene in the movie Matilda. I don't remember if this is in the book, but where she um, makes Cheerios float through all throughout the air, you know, and she's like home alone and she's like 
making the Cheerios fly and twist and go in these magical formations. So I was like, I should take her to a breakfast restaurant. We can make all the breakfast foods fly through the air. (laughs) That sounds so joyful. So fun. Love. Yeah. I actually had the distinct pleasure and privilege of interviewing Mara Wilson, who played Matilda in the like OG 90s movie um, for my podcast, Sounds Like a Cult. We did an episode on the cult of child stars and I interviewed for it. And she was lovely. And and she told me that That's she had amazing. read and enjoyed my book, Cultish. So that was just like, Matilda's a fan of my book. That's insane. <laughs> that is amazing. Before we let you go, we need to hear about your forthcoming book. Can you also give us the pitch for The Age of Magical Overthinking? Yes. So it's a book about irrationality in the information age, and it covers everyday irrationalities from celebrity worship to nostalgia to why we enter bodily fight or flight in response to something like an email from a boss or a bout of social media trauma. Every chapter of the book is dedicated to a different cognitive bias. So some that people might have heard of include confirmation bias or sunk cost fallacy. But there are tons of others that are really interesting, like something called the Ikea effect, which describes our penchant to overvalue items just because we helped create them. Or the illusory truth effect, which describes our proclivity to think that something is true just because we've heard it multiple times. So every chapter is themed around a different cognitive bias, which I use as a lens to explore some mysterious irrationality plaguing the zeitgeist at large and my own life. So the first chapter in the book is called, Are You My Mother, Taylor Swift? A note on the (laughs) halo effect. And it describes the psychological underpinnings beneath these intense cycles of celebrity worship and dethronement that we see in society right now focusing pretty heavily on on Taylor Swift and Swifties with love and respect Um, (laughs) and describing how like those relationships actually connect to our attachment styles with our own parents, which is very interesting. There's another chapter in there called I Swear I Manifested This, a note on proportionality bias, which talks about how the same psychological bias that motivates extreme conspiratorial thinking also motivates ideas of manifesting your success. And I talk about that all the while telling the story of this cult followed um, Instagram therapist. So yeah, it's very much a book where you feel like you're talking to a friend about why it just feels so hard to exist as a human in the world right now in the information age when more information is accessible to us than ever, but the world only seems to be making less sense. (laughs) I cannot wait to read this. I also just got a copy yesterday. So I'm really excited. That sounds fascinating. Thank you. It's my most personal book ever. I like really approach these topics, not only from like a social science angle or a cultural criticism angle, but interweaving my own experiences and my own irrationalities and vulnerabilities. And writing it was like a really healing experience for me because it helped me understand choices of my own that like never made sense to me and choices of others that never made sense to you me should either. Be. So I'm really proud of it. <laughs> so everyone should pre-order that coming out April 9th, but if they can't wait and they need more of you in the interim, can you remind people where they can find you on the internet and the name of your two books that are already out? 
Yes. Um, so I launched a Substack at the end of last year and you can find me there. It's just amandamontel.substack.com. I post three times a week. I've been having such fun with that. I release an episode of my podcast, Sounds Like a Cult, which is about the modern day cults we all follow from Disney adults to momfluencers. Uh, I release an episode of that every Tuesday. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Amanda underscore Montel. And my books, Cultish and Word Slut, are available wherever books are sold. All right, Becca, let's hear your picks. Tell us the first one you brought for us. Oh, my God. First of all, this was really, really hard. I feel like harder than in past types of these episodes. So I'm looking forward to a lot. I feel like 2024 is going to be a really good reading year. So the first one I have to talk about, I've already talked about on this podcast, but it is truthfully the book that I cannot stop recommending to people. So I feel like I need to be true to myself. So it's One Star Romance by Laura Henkin. It's out June 18th. This book is Laura's first true rom-com as opposed to like a book that's about something else and has a side romance plot in it. So the book is based on something that actually happened to Laura, which is that she had to walk down the aisle as a bridesmaid with a man who had given her book one star on Goodreads. And in real life, they did not go on to fall in love. But in this book, it's about these two people who are best friends with a couple. So she's best friends with the wife and he's best friends with the husband. And so they keep getting thrown together over the years because of this couple's life events. And every time they run into each other, they hate each other. They just like keep getting off on the wrong foot, but there's like some attraction there. And eventually they, you know, stuff happens. But this book, (laughs) oh my gosh, it's so good. First of all, I just loved the two characters and I loved the I don't usually like an enemies to lovers romance because I'm like, if they don't like each other, either the reason is too flimsy or the person is too bad and I don't want them to end up together. And this wasn't the case at all with this one. It's so funny. Also, the main character, Natalie, is an author and in the beginning of the book is just writing her debut. And the interior monologue of the things she is thinking about her book and her career and reading the reviews are so dead on and so funny. I also thought there was such an interesting plot line between the two female best friends about kind of when one person is married and the other isn't and like how that affects the friendship when you're kind of in different life stages. This book has everything. Last week, I um, friend of the podcast, Morgan Hoyt, NYC book girl, was on vacation And I bossily was like, read this book. And she did. And she's like, I read it in 24 hours. I laughed. I cried. I like swooned. It it is just a perfect book. I am so excited for this. I am too. And, you know, I'm not typically a romance person, but this is like very high on my on my list as well. So I recommend it. I'm looking forward. Highly enough. Everyone I talk to who's like either in the book world or somebody who, you know, is a net galley person, I'm like, have you read One Star Romance yet? Let's talk about One Star Romance. I can't stop <laughs> evangelizing this book. I love it so much. The second book that I'm recommending I've not read yet, but I've heard great things about. It's called Margot's Got Money Troubles by Rufy Thorpe, who is the author of The Knockout Queen. And this book comes out on June 11th. 
And the main character in this is the daughter of an ex-pro wrestler. And she gets pregnant after an affair with her English teacher at college. And she decides to keep the baby. And her estranged father shows up and she agrees to let him live with her in exchange for childcare. And as a solution to her money problem, she starts an OnlyFans account and she's like using some of the tips from her father's ex-pro wrestling career and becomes a viral sensation. I have heard this book is so funny and so weird and it just feels like very singular. If it gives you any indication, Kevin Wilson, who I think is also very funny and very weird, blurbed it and I was like, okay, yes, I'm ready for this. Well, there's a lot going on there. I was reading the description as you were talking and I was just like, boom, 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 boom. There's a lot. And I mean, it's it sounds great. I feel like it's one of those books that's like about a messy woman who can't quite get her life together. But it sounds like this one is so funny and like quirky and weird that I'm like, I'm ready for that take on it. I'm intrigued, especially with the Kevin Wilson blurb. So great pick. Oh, interesting. The uh, ex-pro wrestler is really what got me into this. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why, but I just was like, that's so funny. Let's go. All right. I I love that. <laughs> I didn't know you were into wrestling. I'm not. I've learned something new today. I'm not. It just, just is the like randomness a of character it. that I've, I've like never seen. And I'm like, okay, sure. Let's take one more ad break. So I'm personally very picky when it comes to podcasts, but I'm always looking for new fun things to listen to while I'm cooking dinner or just getting ready for bed. And today we are here to recommend a podcast that I really think our listeners are going to be into. This podcast is the Glamorous Trash Podcast with Chelsea Devantes. And this is a podcast that recaps and discusses female celebrity memoirs through a thoughtful lens, which is something that I think our audience just, I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect for them, for us. So in 2020, Chelsea started posting about her favorite celebrity memoirs on Instagram to show people how powerful it can be when women tell their own stories. And days after her first post, the podcast was born. With over 125 episodes from Celine Dion to Britney Spears to Tina Turner to Rosie Perez, these memoirs deliver all the hot goss while also exploring deep-rooted, nuanced issues like sexual harassment, childhood trauma, fertility, body image, and toxic romances. Yet somehow, society always ignored these women's books, instead branding them as trash literature, which you know we don't believe in. Chelsea is an Emmy-nominated comedian who has written for TV shows like Girls 5 Eva and Not Dead Yet and was Jon Stewart's head writer. On each episode of Glamorous Trash, she brings on a friend to discuss a celebrity memoir or a moment in pop culture or sometimes the book publishing industry as a whole. Glamorous Trash is a fun, thoughtful, and bookish but chatty podcast. So you can see why we thought you all would love it too. You can find Glamorous Trash anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, Olivia, into some end matter here. What are you obsessed with? I am recently, newly, as of like 24 hours ago, obsessed with NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast. Have you ever listened to this? I think so. Is this Linda Holmes? I think she's on it. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of different hosts and people. (laughs) So I I don't know all of them. Like it kind of switches. But yes, Linda Holmes does sound familiar. I'm still getting to know all, all the different people. But 
essentially this is like really quick, probably like 30 minute episodes where the hosts talk about, they talk a lot about movies. They give like really thoughtful reviews, but also they talk about things like I listened to a very interesting episode about Vanderpump rules and I don't watch Vanderpump rules, but I am Bravo literate. Like I can talk about most of them. So it's just really fascinating because they talk about all this stuff in a fun way, a really like just humorous way, but also there's a lot of like technical, like film critic language that I'm like not familiar with, but really interested in. And so Jake and I watched Saltburn last night, which yeah, that was a lot. And then we listened to the NPR pop culture episode on it afterwards. And it just adds so much value to like the viewing experience. And so I've been loving listening to it when I cook dinner and stuff. It's just like, it's perfect to me. It's a perfect, like upbeat, but also thoughtful and relaxing kind of, kind of situation. Oh, great. What's your obsession? My obsession is an announcement that my own personal Cadbury cream egg season has begun. I was at Dwayne oh. Reed, which is our equivalent to Walgreens the other day, and they had them out already, even though we haven't even gotten to Valentine's Day. And I was like, yep, we're doing this. I love a Cadbury cream egg. That's the traditional ones, right? Not the caramel. The fill. traditional, the the regular regular ones. Okay. So is this like you buy them like you go to Dwayne Reed and you're like, I'll have one or like do you, do you purchase them in bulk? This was in a four pack. Okay. They've probably been in my house for like a week and I've eaten two. All right. You can't overdo it with a Cadbury yeah. cream egg. I feel like you could easily be like, I never want to look at these again. Yeah. Like it's definitely that. like a, we're only ever having one at a time. And like, I don't feel like I want them like every day, but I love okay. a Cadbury well, cream egg. Congratulations on this, this Thank season. You. Are you, uh, you have not chimed in here. Does this mean you're a Cadbury cream egg hater? Hater? Uh, no, I would say I'm... I'm neutral. Hmm. If I have to choose, I would rather the caramel one. I just feel like I really struggle with things where I'm not sure if it should be eaten in one bite or two. Oh, I'm definitely a multiple like, bite, like more than two. Do you have like a, um, you know how people eat an Oreo a specific way? Mm-hmm. With the cream egg, this could get kind of graphic, but like, do you have a method or is it just like you take a bite? Because it's kind of like messy, right? It's liquidy. Well, so I like to bite off the top so I can access the innards. And then right. I would say it's like maybe like a five to six bite experience. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You're really savoring it. Yeah. Which I, I mean, like. Yeah. Okay. Because I would be like, I don't know. It's not sushi. You don't I'm just like so shove the whole out. thing in your mouth. <laughs> well, it's only like an inch big, right? Are you talking <laughs> about the mini ones? I feel like we're talking about this too closely to me talking about salt burn. It's just too much. Okay. Yeah. Um, fair. <laughs> Let me know in if you have one this season. Little. If you have one this season. Me? Yeah. Okay, I'll let you know. Take Maybe a video. I'll get one and just like experiment. <laughs> I will not. Just for me. <laughs> this is my entrance into my own OnlyFans account. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> what have you read? Okay, so I read The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren, which comes out May 14th. And it is kind of a... Pretty Woman meets The White Lotus meets Succession Romance. And I was so into it. I don't think I've experienced a bad Christina Lauren book, to tell you the truth. Like, there is just something so joyful about their books that just, like, 
They're so good. It's the equivalent of a bubble bath to me. Like it just always great. Always great. I uh, feel like I'm in competent hands. So the premise here is that this couple had previously been fake married in order to gain access to college campus housing. And years later, the man had not actually told his family or had let his family believe that he was actually married. He's like kind of semi-estranged from them. And his sister is getting married on a private island somewhere in like Indonesia, I think. And his family is like, you and your wife have to come. So he comes to her with a proposition to pretend to be his wife. But he's like the son of a billionaire. So she needs to like really fancy herself up to go to this wedding. And she's kind of like a hot mess who's just gotten fired from her job. So, yeah, it's like it's very fun because she's pretending to be a classy lady like in Pretty Woman. But then at the same time, you're like, in a tropical vacation paradise with all these one percenters. So there's also like kind of the white Lotus stuff. And like, he's kind of struggling where he fits into this family business where like you kind of get the succession vibes. It was great. It sounds awesome. It sounds really fun. Yeah. Great. Like vacation read. It made me want to stay in like an, one of those like overwater bungalows somewhere. Oh, that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. And then I also read the third Crescent City book by Sarah J. Moss. And I'm like, it's only been out for a week. I'm debating how much I want to say because I don't want to like spoil anyone else's experience. But I will just say that it didn't really live up to my expectations, which was a bummer. We'll leave it there. Yeah. What about you? What did you read? I read First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston, which is everywhere right now. You just read it a couple weeks ago. It is an unexpected twisty thriller about a scammer. That's the simplest way I will put it. I'm sure you did a much better description a couple of weeks ago. What I appreciated about this one is that I feel like to me, the most satisfying twist came like halfway through, which I feel like, of course, a lot of books leave it till the end. So it just made for like a really surprising, like, you know, middle of the book reading experience. Um, and I enjoyed it. And if you don't like scary thrillers, I think Becca was right. This would be like perfect for you. And speaking of not scary thrillers, it's not a thriller, actually. I read Everyone in My Family Has Murdered Someone by Benjamin Stevenson. This is like part Sherlock Holmes, modern day, part succession, sort of, and then part Finley Donovan, because it's all very humorous. So essentially, it's narrated by this man and people keep dying in and around his family. And... It's all very humorous. I enjoyed this one. I think I would have liked it even more on audio because the narrator is like talking to you the entire time. It's a little bit hard to explain, but it's like you're having a one-on-one dialogue with him almost. Okay. So I feel like a few years ago, every thriller was like the wife upstairs, the wife downstairs, the wife in the window. Like it was, (laughs) everything was like the wife. And I feel like now every thriller is everyone. Like you just recommended everyone who can forgive me is dead. This is everyone in my family has murdered someone. There's another one that's like, everyone on this train is a suspect. Like everyone is the new wife. I think the train is also by Benjamin Stevenson. But, um, so I guess he's going for a theme. Okay. Even still. So I feel like everyone is the new wife. Yes, maybe. But again, like not thrillery. Like there's nothing. It's weird because nothing really feels dark, even though it's like dark humor. I I laughed more than I was like, oh, 
spooky. Okay. Well, we've recommended a lot of books to you in this episode, but if you would like something that is out now that you can read along with us, we have our February book club pick, which is Good Material by Dolly Alderton, and we're going to be discussing it the last Wednesday of February, so February 28th. This one is about a 35-year-old guy named Andy who is a stand-up comedian who has kind of like failed to launch into adulthood. And his girlfriend, Jen, breaks up with him and he's like living on a friend's couch, doesn't have a lot going for him career or prospect wise. And he decides to devote himself to understanding why Jen stopped loving him. And so it's a breakup novel, but I'm so curious that it's told from a male point of view. And so I'm I'm just like so curious if she pulls this off. I mean, I think she does because every review I've heard of this book is glowing. And I love her writing style. It's like that like very packed, detail-y, quirky British style of writing. So I feel like I'm going to be delighted no matter what. And I just like can't wait to see the challenge of her telling this from a male point of view and what she has to say. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go pick this up from my local bookstore tomorrow and I'm I'm excited. Very excited. If you would like more of us, you can come join us in our Facebook group. You can come join us in the Geneva app, which is kind of like a chat room. You can find me on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm at Olivia Mentor. And you can pre-order my book, Such a Bad Influence, now, if you'd like. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.